If you have your Bibles, I want you to look at the book of Genesis, because I think when we're dealing with being steadfast in the faith, that we need to have some that are an example of that, and many of you would probably have people in your life that uh, have been an example of that. I was yesterday down with the men and listened to Dr. Marriott teach about, he was a pastor for 30 years, and he had different men that were, that were deacons in his church, and how important that particular role was to him, and even got teary-eyed concerning faithful deacons that were in his church and uh, that were a blessing. I could do the same today. Um, moving in my 23rd year, uh, understanding that there has been people that have stayed the course and stayed steadfast, and what a blessing it is. How do we do that? How do we stay steadfast? I think that's my, my goal to help us understand that by modeling Abraham and giving you someone to look to. <clears throat> but if I can have your attention for a minute, I want to move into an understanding that faith kind of has degrees, if you would. And the first one is little faith. Remember when Stephen was... Uh, was sinking in the water, and, and, uh, or Peter was sinking in the water, and, and Jesus reached down and grabbed him and pulled him back up, and he said, oh, ye of little faith. You know? And so they're, they're, you can't really cut someone down or discourage them because of their little faith. Little faith is what gets you to heaven. So Spurgeon said that, and I've taught this through the years. I think uh, Joshua could preach a message, I uh, heard it a thousand times, um, of, of, of faith and how that there is saving faith. And then the next step, there is sustaining faith, and then there is serving faith. And I, uh, when I was at Northland Baptist Bible College going to school, that occurred to me. I was about to speak to some of the men uh, for, for the first time. I had to come up with an outline, and the Lord seemed to give me that. I was traveling over to, um, to Lac du Flambeau from Northland, uh, pastoring a, a church, filling in and being an interim pastor. And I, I wrote that understanding at that time. God was showing me that there's different degrees, if you would, and I don't want to use that term and say that, 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 that uh, we need to use that degree of faith but I think that grace, your grace grows, uh, and, and also your faith. And the, as your faith grows, and as God's grace in your life is apparent, I, I want you to know that there are saving faith, where that, that, that base primary faith, but then there is the sustaining faith, and that's when the trials come, the difficulties come. For, for you that are here, and you've been sitting here in the pew through the years, uh, and you've been faithful to God through the years, and, and you've been a born-again Christian for a long time, you know that that sustaining faith, the same faith that saved you, um, and the sustaining faith that sustained you comes from God, and he will sustain you to get you through the troubles. But then the serving faith is a whole other avenue. Uh, these days, to serve God, you know, you need that faith to step out, and God will help you. So that little bit of an understanding, we can turn over to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. I want you to turn there with me, and I know we have here uh, Abraham, and we're speaking of Abraham. But he's mentioned in the New Testament, and as I was meditating upon the scriptures last night, and uh, and relaxing someone at the at not, someone at my house last night, I was thinking about how many times does the scripture talk about Abraham? Many times it talks about him in Romans, it talks about him in Galatians, and and here in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse number eight. And if you have your Bibles open to that, Hebrews eleven eight, it says, "By faith." Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. Now that inheritance is pretty important, that uh, he was going to go out to get the inheritance. And that inheritance then 
was going to be conveyed to whom? To his sons. And remember that there was Ishmael, and it was not conveyed to him because he was cast out. The Jewish law was when they would cast out somebody from, uh, from, their, from their home, uh, actually the, the uh, Chaldeans, when they would actually push someone out of their home, uh, they were not allowed to have the inheritance. And so, of course, we know that Ishmael was pushed out, so was Hagar, and that exempt them from the inheritance because it was passed on from Abraham to whom? To Isaac. And so we know that that's the way that God has blessed his people is from Abraham to Isaac and so on. And so we see the blessing flowing. And by the way, that was taught in the public schools in 1958. Isn't that interesting? That most of the older men that are in the White House today were taught this. Do you think one teacher would raise up and teach this now? That Isaac was the promise? Boy, Satan has sure made a mess of things to keep us from teaching the truth, hasn't he? This is world teaching, by the way. This is relevant to our world system. You must have a biblical world system in order to function. And certainly our leaders in our country need to have a biblical worldview in order to be able to function properly. What a mess in the White House. I'm sorry, but if we're looking for hope there in that place, we're not going to find it. We're only going to find our help and our hope from above, like Psalm 121 tells us. But here he says he was, again, received an inheritance and obeyed, and he went out knowing not whether he was going to go or where he went. But by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, And in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, that's tents, and Isaac and Jacob and and heirs with him uh, of the same promise. And so there it mentions and confirms that it's through Isaac. And then it says, uh, uh, verse number 10, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You know what? We're still looking for that city. I have a friend that was uh, in the military with me, Eddie Johnson. He came here, he sang. This week, his wife mentioned on social media that he was going to sing, and so I zoomed in when he was going to sing, and I uh, was able to listen to him sing, and uh, what, an, what an encouragement that was to me, and, he, and his singing was so good, but he was actually talking about looking for a city. Look it up sometime, that song, Looking for a City, Eddie Johnson. What a blessing, and I think it's important for us to be continually looking that this is not our home, dear friend. Don't get weary or weird, either one. This is not our home. We're just passing through, people. Don't hang on to it so tight that you can't let go. It's interesting as we think about this because here in verse number 10, it says, For he looked for a city which, found, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker was God through faith also. Sarah, don't forget her. <laughs> Herself received strength to conceive seed and, and, and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised and therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead so as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable talking about this 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 people that was promised to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and now we're all the way up to Genesis chapter 18 and understanding that he's on that journey toward that promise. And so I thought it would be good to pull Abraham out and say, let's get him up here as a witness to faith. Remember, 
that the great cloud of witnesses are before us. And some would believe that that is in the heavens, that there's a big cloud and they're looking over the clouds and looking on and down. That's a good thought. Maybe you could draw a picture of that. But as those that would sit in a courtroom, you could pull out witness after witness after witness that it was by faith that they were able to endure and continue on. Interesting as we think about this, because we need to know how to stay steadfast and understand what God is doing so that we can continue on. So how can I stay steadfast and how can I continue on to be faithful? I think the first thing we need to understand first of all, is to walk with God patiently. Now, when we're talking about walking with God patiently, what does that mean? It really means talking about waiting upon God. Now, it's a very difficult thing to do, to wait. I know many of us have a hard time waiting. Um, how many have ever gone to, to McDonald's, um, and, and then they said, would you pull your car up over here? And you're like, oh, no, not the waiting thing. I'm serious. It really hits us kind of hard to have to wait for things. We want it right now. And you can imagine uh, Abraham was thinking, boy, I've been, I've been given this promise, and, you know, it's been a long time now since that promise has come. And so he's waiting for the promise. Now, get this in your mind. He's waiting for it. And the last verse of chapter 16 of Genesis tells us how old he was. Okay? He's 86. And then it moves into the first verse of chapter 17. tells us now he's 99. How many years is that, anybody? 13 years. Talk about waiting. <laughs> you know, uh, you're going to get a blessing, but you've got to wait 13 years. You know, that's like, wouldn't that be terrible? Just think if we said, okay, we're going to have on Christmas morning, you're going to have all kinds of gifts, kids, but we're going to wait. We're going to wait till next year. Oh, my goodness. You know. What if you got down by the tree and you woke up in the morning, you went down there, and your dad was going, we're just going to wait till next Christmas. <laughs> you know? Okay, because we are human. Abraham was human. He wasn't some goddess. He was a man who had a passion for God, who was going to yield to God and be obedient to God, but God says, I want you to wait. Okay? How long do I got to wait? <laughs> How long do I have to wait? You tell me how long I'm going to wait. You know, so you think about this waiting thing. It was very difficult, but he, he was waiting upon God. And so if we're going to actually be able to be steadfast in 2021, we better learn to walk with God patiently. I need to walk with him patiently. So do you. And remember, now is the context of this. Let's look at verse number 1 of chapter 18 because we develops a little bit more. And again, I would, I would tell you that it would take me till midnight to explain all of this. And, uh, and if I was going to explain it rightly, I would probably bring uh, Brother Mauricio up here too to help me with it, uh, being so brilliant in the Old Testament. But I think it's important for us to know what the Scriptures are actually saying. Look at it says in verse number 1 of chapter 18. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. So here's Abraham waiting. Okay. And, then, and he lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door. And by the way, they all of a sudden appeared, and they're right there. So it's interesting when you read this and you see how it happened, 
you know that there were signals giving Abraham that this wasn't just three average men. They just appeared to him right there. They were there instantaneously. Three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet, meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. I'm telling you, he was waiting patiently, but he was waiting with expectation that God is going to do something. Is that the way you live your life? Say, well, I've been waiting a long time, Pastor, for this to happen. I think about how sometimes husbands and wives, they get married and they're going to have children and pretty soon they wait and there's no child coming and they're thinking, oh man, we, we got we to gotta do something different. And they go see some doctors and so on. And I remember this was in my son's life and we were hoping, of course, the miscarriages came and so on. And then uh, all of a sudden we thought, well, let's continue to pray and continue to pray. Oh God, would you help Andrew and Abby have a baby? And, and then finally, all of a sudden, we're going to have a baby boy, a good night. We need another boy in the whole family, right? And then Graham was born, and then there was Gracelyn. <laughs> I got to hold her this, next, this last week. That's why I'm so excited today. It's because I got to hold my, my grandbaby, right? She's a granddaughter. I've had enough messy diapers with boys, but now there's a granddaughter, right? And so it's interesting how this all happened, but they were waiting upon God, and God answered them. And so sometimes we need to wait patiently, but wait with expectation. And I think he was saying, it's going to happen, and now it's going to happen. Look at verse number 3. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. And let a little water, I pray thee, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourself under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye hearts after you shall pass on. And therefore are you come to your servant? And they said, so do as thou hast said. And so he's going to get the food. And I don't know how he got the basin of water. doesn't talk about it uh, much here, but maybe while they were eating, he was washing their feet or let them wash it. I'm not sure how that all worked. The Bible doesn't talk about that. But it says in verse number six that he, he hastened into the tent unto Sarah. So this is how guys work. They invite and then they go tell the wife. I'm not going to go there because I know somebody is real lippy this morning. So I'm going to stay away from there and just move on because of one individual in the congregation named Tammy. So he goes into the tent and he tells Sarah and he says, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it. And make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran into the herd, and he fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto the young man. And he tasted, uh, and, he, and he hasted uh, and to dress it. And he took butter and milk. Man, it gets pretty descriptive here, right? And here we are before lunch. And, and, and the calf, which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. You can imagine the scene. I think it's important for us to understand that there needed to be a time, but there needed to be a patience, but an expectation in that. And here's what God does. He knows it. So listen to verse number nine. They said unto him, where is Sarah, thy wife? He said, behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And so there's that time of life, that expectation. I'm going to He's basically saying, I'm not going to do it right now, okay? I'm, you're not going to have a baby right now. It's not all going to be in fruition. It's coming in the future. You've already waited 13, 14 years. You're going to wait a little longer. He's mentioning that to him, kind of putting, putting it in perspective. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it 
the tent, which was behind him. And, and Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. It ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of a woman. And therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being also. And again, you know, I, I think she laughed under her breath, possibly. Uh, but doesn't God hear everything in all of our thoughts? You know, because she says later on, you know, I didn't, verse number 15. No, I didn't say that. Yeah, but thou didst laugh, <laughs> you know. But it says in, in verse number 12 then, that after I have waxed old, that I should have pleasure in my Lord being old also. The Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did, did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I of sur- surely bear a child which I am old? And again, um, he goes on to remind them, is anything too hard for the Lord? I mean, what a question that stimulates the conscience in the area of waiting upon God. Because nothing's too hard. He can do anything in a second, and it would take you a lifetime to do something, as you think, you know. But God can do it all in a second. He is God. He can maneuver it so that, that America can stay America for another four years. God can do that. But is he willing? I don't think that uh, I don't think we need to point our fingers to the evil people in this country. I think it's to the lack of faith of the believers that's hurting us the most. And, and some would grab arms and call themselves a believer and not be obedient to God. How how, how is that? God sees it all, and you can't just laugh it off. I mean, if you laughed at anything that the prophets were saying in the Old Testament, won't be to you. And so understanding this helps us to be a little more serious that is anything too hard for the Lord? And at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. Mentioned twice in the passage. And Sarah shall have a son. And so this really was something that was going to happen. And then Sarah, of course, denied it in verse number 15. But they walked with God patiently. And it takes a little bit of time that we would look at the Scriptures and say, I know that God knows me. And I know that God can do something with me. And I am worthy of that kind of faith because I trust the Lord completely and I'm obedient to Him. And why would God come to Abraham? And tell him he's going to be blessed. Because of this verse, verse number 19, maybe one good to someone to underline. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice. That means to have a right moral decision and do the right thing morally. And a judgment, that's a discretion and a discernment that's sanctified, that's bathing itself in the word of God. And then the Lord may bring up Abraham that which he has spoken to him. Discretion and discernment. I think it's interesting that the Lord chose Abraham because he chose him because he knew he would follow through. He had been watching him and studying him. But Abraham, of course, had the faith. And I think it's important for us to understand that in order for us to stay steadfast in 2021, we must walk with God patiently. Number two, 
we must worship God sacrificially. Now, let me tell you something. This is the age of convenience, friends. Aren't we comfortable? Do your feet hurt? Get some cushions. You know, there are people that actually are at church this morning around the world that don't have shoes at all. This is the world we live in. We are comfy people. I mean, just think about it. Watch TV once in a while. See the huggy things they put on? They have these, like, things you put on over your head and then the arms in it, and it's like a blanket, but it's not a blanket, but you can run. And it'll cost you, like, two payments of 1995. Isn't this the truth? And you can be more comfortable if you purchase this, but wait! If you do it before the end of the commercial time, you'll get two for... For 19.99, but you're actually paying for both of them, and they only cost ten bucks to make, so it's really weird that yeah. Americans are saying, "I can actually wear that and drink my lalas." That's what they're called, lalas. Lattes. Lattes. Anyway. <laughs> Interesting when you think about it, because we are in a day of comfort, right? And so when we think about worshiping God sacrificially, let's look over. Let's look over a few true chapters. Let's go over to chapter 22. Because this really is interesting when we look at the kind of worship that God writes down is the kind of worship that's sacrificial. Um, chapter 22, and I could read the whole thing to you, but we've, we've got to be short a little bit today. But let me just move on. Let's, let's go to verse number one. And it came to pass these things that God did tempt Abraham. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, in a clave of wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went to the place which God hath told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. And listen to what it says in verse 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide you here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and do what? Yeah. We're going to worship. Abraham knew what was about to happen. I believe he did. And he's telling his men, you guys stay here, because we're going to go worship sacrificially. And go yonder and worship and come again to you. So here's he's, he's understanding the resurrection somehow. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday. Um, this is how much faith Abraham had in God. Yes. That they were going to return after a sacrificial worship. And Abraham took the wood of burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And so he's carrying the wood. He took the fire in, the, in his midst and, and a knife, and he went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. And so they went both of them together. 
And they came to the place which God hath told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, and neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withdrew or withheld thy son, thine only son, for me. You know what I thought about when I read this? I thought about how that sometimes we can hang on to our kids so much that it hinders our worship. Ouch. I don't mean to be mean, but I'm just asking you and telling you, dear Grace Baptist Church, do we have a sacrificial desire for God to worship Him, to do as He says, to be obedient to Him? Are we willing to go this far? Abraham was. But I would say that there's not one in here that would raise their hand with this kind of faith. Or maybe there is. Why isn't God working in my family? Do you think it's because of lack of faith? Maybe it's lack of faith, and that is actually causing us to have the lack of obedience. I'm not sure, dear friend, but I really believe God was moving me in the area of helping us understand to be able to stay stable and steadfast in 2021 that we must be willing to sacrifice in our worship. Not talking about bringing bodies up here and anything like that. I'm talking about taking time out of your schedule and out of your day to come and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He was worthy in the beginning of his birth, and we talked about it at Christmas, and everybody was happy, but now it's Sunday in January. I got to go to church and worship again. If you know what, if if it's that hard for you, please stay home. Just worship the King when you come in and be of a good attitude. It's important for us to understand this, and it'll help us understand in the long run that those that have stayed steadfast are those that have actually trusted the Lord and continued to look to Jesus Christ for their strength. Worship God sacrificially. Now, let me just go a little further here, because I really believe that this actually points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And look what it says in verse number 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Really, it means that the Lord will provide. And so he provided a lamb, and he did. And so we actually understand this because Jesus Christ was the lamb. But what's interesting to me is that Isaac is actually pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a parallel here. Put them side by side. Isaiah, Isaac, it points to the Lord. Pictured here on the altar. If we want to ask ourselves, do we worship God sacrificially? Well, Abraham was willing to. So was Isaac. Isaac was probably 27 to 30 at the time, okay? So any 27 to 30-year-old guy could probably take care of a guy at 100, you know? Because your muscles kind of wear out. Did you know that? Gravity begins to move. 
and the ground seems to be sucking us downward. And my dad, I thought he could do everything and anything. He was strong. You know, I'm going to go see my dad this week, and you know, he's going to be 83. His arms are like this now. I'm not trying to make fun of my dad. But here's a son who willingly laid on the altar. Did you know what? Jesus was willing. Just like Isaac carrying the wood on his back, he was willing. Jesus carried wood on his back, he was willing. And then we got him up to Golgotha, probably the same exact place where this took place is Golgotha. And Jesus finally was able to just spin around and fall onto the cross and stretch his arms out. And it wasn't too long you heard the pings of nails going through his hands and his feet. And he could have called 10,000 angels, but he said, I'm willing to do this for my father. I'll be obedient to him sacrificially. Both were promised sons. Both had miraculous conceptions. Both carried wood of the sacrifice. And both were given and offered by the Father on the same mount. One was saved by a lamb, but the other was the lamb, Jesus Christ, our salvation and our Lord and all of those that have tough, all of those that have so much going on in their life right now and think things are so tough that you can't stay steadfast, remember that you can flee to Jesus and he will give you the peace you need. I think it was pretty ironic that Russ chose a song by Ron Hamilton because I did today too, not to sing, so relax, but to read to you a song called The Secret Place. A lot of times we find a refuge like the church, and for you that maybe poke fun at my desire for the church to be vibrant at these days, and we ought to be full and continuing on no matter what the governor says. The king of kings, the God of heaven, told us to assemble, and so we will. And when we do, what a difference that makes when we come together and be able to worship the Lord, what peace it brings to us. As you walk across the parking lot and you know the door is right in front of you and you open up that door and you come in and you see the smiling faces of the redeemed. Wow, what a joy. In a world that is so cursed, in a world that is so confused, in a, in a, in a world there is so much contention, but as you walk in, you ought to have people that enjoy loving one another and being together. Amen. And that peace, and maybe this is your secret place. But I really believe even more so there should be a place where you go and close the door and open up the scriptures. I remember being in, at Fort Lee in West Virginia and going from there down into Camp Lejeune. Uh, it was 1984 in the beginning of that year. And I remember going into a little closet. It was a maintenance closet. It had a light on, and I had my Bible. It's a little brown one. I have it in, in the office. It's a brown Bible, and it's worn out. I remember opening it up and reading it. I'd read three or four chapters, and I'd come out into a confused world. 
But I was at such peace in that little room. I remember being, uh, had a little closet underneath the steps, Joshua, on that Lake Lunger, and I put that little office area together. Remember, man, you guys would be in bed, and I'm in there just... I was not only weeping because I had all this schoolwork to do, but I was just, I was going through Hebrews, and it was like God was just flooding in an understanding of the book of Hebrews, and I'm looking toward the heavens and saying, yes, God, it's all here. It's my secret place with God alone. And Ron Hamilton knew that. He wrote a little song. It says, I found a secret place of comfort and release, a place of healing, a quiet place of peace. And everyone who dwells there finds rest beneath God's wings. In the shade of his pavilion, in the strength he always brings. The second verse goes, with every trial he brings, my Lord will make a way to strengthen and protect me, to help me face each day. He leads me through the valley to draw me closer still, knowing even in the shadows I find his perfect will. What just beautiful words. I mean, to, to take the experience and the encounter with God and to be able to put it into a poem or into a song. Our choir used to sing the song, and it will sing it again. One of the choruses, the chorus goes on to say, I find hope, I find grace, far away from the world's embrace. He gives me rest, he keeps me safe. I find his strength, I seek his face in the secret place. You want to know how you can make it through 2021 and stay steadfast? Worship him sacrificially. Worship him sacrificially. Sacrifice your time. Change your schedule. Keep him as a priority and you'll stay steadfast. You know, we're living in a day of apostasy. We know that, and we complain about it, but why? You look at all of those that got saved that a Billy Graham crusade but never were discipled. Where are they today? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to tell you the truth, that if you want to be grounded and rooted in the Word of God, you will continue on to continue and to stay the course. I think it's important for us to understand all of this, to walk with God patiently, to worship God sacrificially, but then to work for God compassionately. What does that mean, to work for God compassionately? See, sometimes we think, well, I'm good. (laughs) How you doing, D? I'm good, man. Everything's good with me. I don't know about you, but I'm doing good. Well, you know what? There's some people here today that aren't doing so good, and, you know, we should have that compassion to try to help them. When it comes to us, we decided that we were going to put six deacons in place with one family unit under each of these deacons, 13 families under each of these deacons. And so there are around 220 people that are in the, the, the understanding of Grace Baptist Church. That's how many people we have, okay? We have a lot of people that are voting members, I think 140 or so. Just That's, that's, a, that's a, a, a moderate, so voting members, Okay, so, so when, when, when we talk about the needs of the people, every one of the deacons have people that they, they oversee. And so then they look and see maybe there's some needs there. Maybe there's some, a, a gas card and so on. There is this compassion. It's not like, okay, I'm good. You know, I, I'm, I'm doing all right. Well, what about the other guy? He may not be so, doing so good. And so I see this here in, in verse number 23 of, of chapter 18. Many of you have read 
Scripture more than you have for a while, but, but this morning. But I want you with me, if you would, in verse number 23, because there are some more verses here. Because Sodom and Gomorrah is about to be destroyed, and Abraham knew that. And I can imagine as he's standing back thinking, according to the time of life, I'll return to you. And he's thinking that in his mind. And he's watching those three men leave. Okay, they're going. According, i got to wait some more. But they're heading to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he knew that they were going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And remember that it was destroyed not because of wickedness, but because of the lack of righteousness. So keep it in mind that now he says this in verse number 20, Abraham drew near and said, goes to the Lord. In verse 22, he says, But Abraham stood yet before the Lord, and Abraham drew and said unto the Lord, he said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? What a statement. A straight statement of compassion. You know, I, I don't think we should be looking at any side and say, forget that side. Remember when the, when the disciples were coming out of the city and, and they were saying, the was saying, we should just destroy them right now. They're not going to accept you. And Jesus says, where did that spirit come from? didn't come from me is what he's saying. You never got that from me because I'm going to die for these people. So there was this compassion in Abraham, pre-aventure, and by faith. But it says pre-aventure, verse number 24, there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou destroy not and spare the place? Fifty righteous are therein. So he talks about fifty. Then he reduces it because God promises that he wouldn't destroy if there's fifty there. In in verse number uh, number thirty-eight, he says, "Preadventure, if five of the fifty, so if five were removed from the fifty, then there's forty-five. Would you do it?" Then he goes on to say, "What about forty?" Verse twenty-nine. What about thirty? Verse number 30. And verse number 31. Let's, if I find 20 righteous, I won't destroy it. And then verse 32, he says, he said unto them, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet, but this once. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to talk one more time, Lord. Preventure 10 shall be found. And he said, I will not destroy it if, for 10's sake. And then he, the Lord went away his way. It's like the Lord just turned his back and said, Okay, I'm out of here. If you find ten, you think that the God of heaven knew that there was not ten righteous in that Sodom and Gomorrah. He knew it, but Abraham had to know it. But by faith, he had enough compassion to plead for the people. Didn't Moses do that? In Genesis 32, didn't he go before God and said, take me out of the book, but spare them? Do we have that kind of compassion? Do you want to continue to be steadfast in 2021? Then work for God compassionately. Do something for the programs that are hurting. Help them out. As you're doing it, you're helping God and showing him that you're of a person of faith, that have that kind of faith to be strong in the Lord. I know that the time is short. I have so much more I want to say to you this morning, but I think I've said enough that Jesus Christ is our refuge in times like this. And by the way, In times like these, you need an anchor. And the anchor is going to be the word of God. And God will take that word and use it and make it alive within you so that you can live it and be what God desires for you to be so you can stay steadfast in 2021. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Going to church is not good enough, dear friend.
And, and being a church member is not good enough. And being baptized is not good enough. You must be born again. And I hope and pray that you have been. And God has been drawing you, drawing you to himself, not drawing you to a religion. He's been drawing you to himself. You choose where you're going to worship the Lord. And you chose to come to Grace Baptist Church this morning. But I hope that you have chosen Jesus. Because the Bible says, unless you've been born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So it gives us an understanding that we must make that decision. We must come to the place where we say, yes, Lord, yes, have your will and have your way. And if you're here this morning and you said, you know, it's time that I receive Jesus as my Savior, I want to do that today. And maybe you're sitting here and you say, Pastor, I've just didn't know when to do it and how to do that. And I would like for someone to show me from the Word of God how I can know for sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. My hope is that I will, but I want to know from the Word of God. And maybe this morning you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I won't point you out, but I'll pray for you. Is there anyone this morning who would say, pray for me? I'm dealing with this, and I don't know for sure. Then, Christian, this message was for you. By faith, Abraham, and by faith, you can be steadfast this year. Maybe you're here and you're a born-again Christian and you say, Pastor, please pray for me because God's dealing with me on some issues and I want to say, yes, Lord, yes. Would you just pray for me? I'm saved, but God is dealing with my heart. Anybody like that, just lift up your hand. Put it back down again. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone? Praise the Lord. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just please stand? We're going to have an old-fashioned invitation if you need to come. You can come. I'm going to pray, and as soon as I'm done praying, the invitation will begin, and if you need to come, you come. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.